0: Talk Back Matters, from the Salvos. Lee is a British guy who was living in the UK, but his life was spiralling downwards because he had no family, and he was on the verge of taking his own life. He was offered $25,000 to take a suitcase from Thailand to America, which they told him had a kilo of heroin inside it. Turns out there was five kilos inside it, he took up the offer, he was caught in Thailand and sentenced to death, and then the sentence was reduced to 100 years in jail. Lee shares part two of his story and the extraordinary miracle of how, today, he walks free.
1: Um, yeah, there's like 10,000 prisoners in there, um, mostly for drug cases, uh, from all nationalities, really, from everywhere in the world that you can think of. Uh, you all putting, there's 10,000 people in the prison, there's 1,000 people in each building, there's 10 buildings. There's about 80 people, 40 to 80 people in each room. There's one hole in the floor for a toilet. There's people in the cell with cholera, malaria, typhoid, AIDS, all sorts of diseases.
0: What we want to know is how is it that today you're free? Tell us that story.
1: Right. So what happened was um, I got ill and then the, they, I've spent six months in the hospital and I refused to go back into the mainstream on the ground that so I, if I caught TB again, it was incurable because once you've had the antibiotics, if you catch it again, then it means that it's, straight, it's resistant to the antibiotics and that it, it, it doesn't do any good giving the antibiotics again. So once you've had it you, you really, and you've been cured, you really want to stay away from people that have got TB because if you catch it again, then... Um, it's, it's a much higher potency, and it, 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 chances are you won't recover from it. Right. Basically, it's a disease that eats your lungs away. You start coughing blood, and um, yeah, your lungs just deteriorate until um, you can't can't breathe anymore.
0: Yeah. And so, how is it that you became?
1: So I went. I went, I, I asked the embassy that I wanted to go to solitary confinement on the grounds that if I caught the disease again, that I would basically die. And um, I went to. Um, solitary confinement and the embassy was detrimental in applying on my behalf to the um, Thai government that if I could they've got a bilateral transfer treaty and they asked if if they would not alter my Thai sentence in any way um, but they asked if I could come back to England and serve out um, the remainder of the sentence in England and it was a, it was a long shot. There's there's no guarantee that they'll do that, and it's it's a lengthy process that can take anywhere you know up to five years plus. And um, that's what happened basically. It took five years, and they just came Monday and said that um, that my uh, transfer had been agreed, and that I'd go to England and serve out the rest of my sentence in England. Before you go on, did you have a
0: faith at all during this?
1: Yeah. Well, this this thing I I, I made a friend in he was in American, and he used to have a a lady called Susan come and visit him, and uh, Susan is an Australian lady, and they call her the Angel of Bang Quang. And she, she did, when I went to the hospital, there were beds there. But um, before Susan used to come to the hospital, uh, to the prison, um, she uh, there, there were no beds, and she got um, two hundred beds donated to the hospital. So, uh, yeah, uh she she's also a missionary and she uh gave me a Bible and she gave me one of the NIV Bibles with everything Jesus said in red. Right. And I remember like uh, you know, distinctly like reading the Bible one day when I got to the part where Isaiah where Jesus reads Isaiah. I think it's in Luke um Luke twenty one I think it is. Um, he, Jesus stands up and reads Luke twenty one and says that Jesus says that, um the spirit of the sovereign God, God is upon me and um, he sent me to heal the sick and to free those that are captive and it just stopped me in my tracks and I, I remember saying a prayer that day just saying, if you, if you can get me out of this, please. You know, it's, it's more than I can bear.
0: And at what stage of your journey did this happen? Was this after the hospital?
1: Yeah, I'd gone from the hospital to solitary confinement and all I had was a few belongings, like a few t-shirts and a few pairs of shorts and i had that bible and that was basically all i had and you know i was uh, and, and you know i'd had the my you know, noodles and tuna for one day and i wouldn't know what i was going to eat the next day so i you know I'd, I'd pray and hope that people would come and visit me at the prison and you know mostly you know i would usually get about a, a visit once once a week from the parking and tourists, and you know usually get more noodles and you know, sometimes people would put, you know, 10 or £20 on my account or something, and that would last me just two or three weeks, you know. So
0: when you prayed that prayer, was it before you got TB?
1: Um, no, it was after.
0: Okay. And it was after you'd gone to solitary confinement?
1: Yeah. So I, uh, I used to go out to the missionary visits and in, in the visits in Thailand. You don't. It's not like where you sit at a table. You're all in a line along a corridor, and there's a mesh. And then there's a gap, and there's another mesh, and then the, the visitors are all in a line on the other side, and, and you've got like 200 people like shouting across to their visitor, and the missionaries would come and um, do Bible studies and Bible readings and, and stuff, and there'd be about you know 10 or 15 of us on the other side, and uh, we'd all be you know um, praying and reading the Bible and discussing the Bible.
0: And is that everyone like? Calling out at once, so it's kind of like all these people calling out at once across the room.
1: Yeah, it's it's just crazy. You can, you know you you have to be there to, to, to imagine it. It's it's, it's it's like a madhouse.
0: How many prisoners were there receiving?
1: Oh, sometimes there'd be in the corridor on the prisoner side. There'd be there could be anything up to a hundred people, and then you know maybe it's, you know twenty thirty people visitors on the other side, and everybody shouting, having different conversations across a gap of about six feet. Oh, man. So it's really hard to hear. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy over there.
0: And so what happened then?
1: Um well what happened was they 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 I had word that um they've accepted my transfer. Um I was transferred back to England. So obviously the change were removed, two prison officers came from um the prison in England to come and escort me back to um English prison. I went to HMP Wandsworth to await transfer to a maximum security prison um, on the Isle of Wight because um, of my of the incredible sentence, you know, because I had 100 years still. So I'd done 10, so I had 90 years left. Wow. So I went to Wandsworth. I was awaiting transfer to the Isle of Wight um, to go to the maximum security prison there. And um, the day before I was due to um, go there, Um, I I was informed that I'd be going to a different prison and I didn't understand why, but they just said that it's been said that you're going to a different prison now. And, um, yeah, I went to that prison, um, just going with the flow, really, because obviously you've got no saying where you go or what you do, so I just went with the flow, Went to the the new prison and went to the chapel there um, on the first um, weekend. And, you know, obviously I was glad to be back it, it was still very serious though because I still had 90 years left to serve. And um, on the way out, I, I, I played something on the piano that I could remember from school yeah. and went back to my cell. And um, about 20 minutes later, they, I could hear people uh, looking on the right. The Officers were walking up and down the landing looking in their in the cells for somebody. And when they come to my cell, they asked me if I'd been the guy that was playing the piano. And they said, Yeah. And they opened the door and. uh a uh, minister from the chapel a lady called um, Sandy uh, said that I'd been heard playing the piano and um, could I come back and, to the chapel like then straight away so, so they escorted me back to the chapel and she asked me to play there some, some whatever I could remember on the piano so I, I, I was playing some classical pieces and she said that she'd actually been, they'd all been praying um, for a pianist to come and because I would well, I go to this chapel as a job in the prison and um, play the piano for services. Amazing. Yeah. So um, I mean, I was uh, at that time I was uh, uncertain about it, but um, I went back. I prayed. I asked if I could think about it. I mean, I prayed and then God reminded me that you know I, I said a prayer to him in, in, in Thailand in the prison, and obviously things are different now and. You know, I was back, and it's what I'd asked for. So, you know, he had got me out of that. So, yeah, I was, you know, I I didn't see any way really that I could refuse God. You know, he'd kept up his end of the bargain. So.
0: So that's when you made a decision to follow him.
1: Yeah. So as far as I was concerned, I wasn't I wasn't going to be leaving prison, but I'd spend the rest of my life in prison being a chapel orderly. Wow. And playing the the piano at services. Wow.
0: And so, what happened then?
1: Right. So I've been playing piano at services for about two years, and um, a guy came to give a talk in the prison, and I straight away I, I, I realised that I recognised him. And all through the the, the talk that he's been giving, and he was playing some songs on his guitar and um, hymns and some um, worship songs, and I realised it was just clicked. That I, I I remembered I'd seen him through the bars in the prison. So after the service, I I remained behind because I was the chaplain. orderly, and I I, I asked him if he'd ever been to Thailand because I I thought I recognized him from there. And um, initially he said no, and I I said to him, do you know a lady called Susan at all? And he said he did, and it transpired that he'd been a missionary in Burma and that Susan was his best friend when he was there, and he had actually been to the Bangkok prison once, and um, that time when I was there, at the visit, I actually remember seeing him through the bars. And, um, yeah, I thought, what were the chances of meeting him here in prison, um, you know, all these years later, and, it's, uh, and for him to suddenly walk through the door in the prison and to, to recognise him, you know.
0: That's amazing.
1: All the, all the prisons he could have gone to and all the prisons I could have been to, you know.
0: Extraordinary.
1: And uh, so basically, he said to me, when you get out, he said, come and look me out. And I said, you, I thought, well, thanks for the offer, but I'm not getting out. Yeah. You know? So what happened is, as the, as the years transpired, so I'd been in Thailand Thai prison for 10 years, and at this point, I'd been in um, English prison for two years, playing the piano in the church, and um, over the subsequent years, the next three years, the king suddenly decided to in Thailand, because I was a Thai prisoner in British custody, and the king decided that he was going to... Um, give leniency to um, these prisoners and decided to start giving amnesties for um, drug cases. So since I was a Thai prisoner, I was still entitled to any amnesties that were given in Thailand. Yeah. Um, so my sentence was reduced from um, 100 years to 50 years, which meant I'd served 10, so I still had 40 years left to serve. So it was better than 90 years, Yeah. Yeah. And a few years later, I got another amnesty, which took it down to um, thirty years. At that point, I'd, I'd already served—I'd already served fifteen years in prison, and I was entitled to get out, uh, having served half my sentence. Yeah. So I went from one day, um, you know, wake—you know—waking up every day and thinking that I'd spend the rest of my life in prison, and kind of resigning myself to that fact, you know—to um, uh, waking up one day and then telling me that uh, I was going to be released and half an hour later finding myself on the other side of the wall with uh, £40 in my pocket and and 15 years of my life gone by, you know, thinking, well, what was that all about, you know?
0: That's extraordinary. Did you think back to that day that you asked Jesus to set you free? I did, yeah. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. Isn't that an extraordinary example of the reality of Jesus? Yes. That's Lee's story. He had no family and was on the verge of taking his own life. And then one day he was offered $25,000 to take a suitcase of heroin from Thailand to South America and was caught. Please pray for Lee that God will protect him and continue to restore his life and bring him a loving wife and a family. This is Light and Life. To contact us, go to salvos.org.au slash radio.